Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we are going to look at and read scriptures from the week of fifth Easter. Now, there are seven weeks in Easter, followed by the day of Pentecost. We began with Easter Day, with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and we are in the fifth week. And we are working toward the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Jesus ascends into heaven on the 40th day after his resurrection. He's only here for 40 days. He ascended into heaven in the 40th. And the 50th day, 120 are waiting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes down upon them. And this is in Acts chapter 2. But that's for another week. This week, we are going to look at three sections of scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, and Gospel. From the Old Testament, we have selected readings from Leviticus. I'll say more about Leviticus uh, in a minute. Then we follow that with the continuation from last week of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4 and 5. And then we go to chapters 1, 2, and 3 from 2 Thessalonians. Remember, there are only three chapters in 2 Thessalonians. And then finally, in our gospel reading, we started last week with chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, the famous Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we are going to be looking at chapter 6 and most of chapter 7. So we'll finish up the Sermon on the Mount this week. Let's go back to Leviticus. The first book of the Bible is Genesis. The second book is Exodus, and we spent quite a bit of time in Exodus. As the people of Israel moved out, of Egypt. The Pharaoh did not want them to be there. He put them under slavery for 400 plus years, and Moses delivered them out of slavery and made their way to the promised land. He gave them the law on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20 and was leading and guiding them in the way he wanted them to worship and the way he wanted them to conduct themselves on an everyday basis in the book of uh, Exodus. So it's going to be in the book of Exodus, we find the book of the law, along with Deuteronomy, which somewhat parallels uh, Exodus in some places. And in the book of Leviticus, we have the problem of sin. Now, I think all of you know what sin is, as demonstrated in the scriptures or shown in the scriptures, our offense against God, not doing the will of God, um, doing what you and I want to do rather than what God tells us to do, offending the Lord, uh, breaking the law of God, uh, not uh, obeying his commands and his wishes for us, when we sin against him, when we choose to go our own way instead of the Lord's way. So that's why in uh, Exodus and in Deuteronomy particularly, and we see this a little bit in Numbers also, God spells out what his law is about and encourages the people very, very strongly to follow it. Now, what if they don't follow it? Well, then you have a problem called sin. But what do you do if the sins are not forgiven? Well, the people continue to commit the sins, both collectively and individualistically, then you have major problems. You have to deal with the sin. And dealing with the sin is the book of Leviticus. Now, for most people, for most Christians, the book of Leviticus is difficult, I must admit. It is difficult because it's language that we're not used to talking about or hearing about. So what you've got in your uh, post today is you've got a listing of seven chapters in Leviticus. So in Leviticus, 
in the post that you have uh, on your screen, you will notice that there is Leviticus 8, Leviticus 16, Monday and Tuesday, Leviticus 19, Wednesday and Thursday, and Leviticus 23, Friday and Saturday. Now, these are specially chosen because they are key chapters in the book of Leviticus. Now, maybe what you'll want to do, besides just reading them, that's, that's fine. But if you want to know what they're about, and I'll say just a little about them, the fa- the, they're, they're actually fairly complicated. And so the study notes will help you. A commentary may help you. Um, rereading them several times may help you. Trying to get the major points will help you. And I'll go through those with you if you, if you, uh, if you would like. In Leviticus chapter 8, we have the ordination of Aaron and his sons. So they had to be what we call ordained. We still use that word today, and it's a very, very important word. They have to be commissioned by the Lord. They have to be set apart. And so in this fairly long reading, you see the intricacy of that appointment, of that honor of what God is calling them to do in terms of service. And it's a very serious calling, and it's very, very technical. If you re- when you re- do this reading this week, you'll see that there's lots of details there. And the details are all important. Again, far beyond what we're trying to accomplish. This is not a seminary class. But again, if you have an interest in this, perhaps a commentary or study notes might help you. In chapter 16, we have the Day of an Atone- Atonement. The Day of Atonement is still practiced by Jewish people today in Judaism. That's how important that is. The Day of Atonement is extraordinarily important. And we have two days for that, 1 to 19 and 20 to 34, which covers the entire chapter. So this is the idea of atonement. This is going to be an extremely important uh, idea, theological truth that Jesus is going to exercise in his death on the cross. Uh, We also see this uh, talked about particularly in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, which is very Jewish, and it's talking about the Jewish things that we find in the Old Testament and how Christ relates to them. But again, as you're scaling through this and looking through it fairly quickly, you'll see that this is very detailed. It's very precise. God expected the ordination in chapter 8 and the atonement in chapter 16 to be precisely followed. Everything had its meaning. Every action had its, had it, has its significance in its theological understanding. For example, verse 16 of 16, In this way he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. So somebody's got to deal with all of our sin. This is a way to do that. Okay? He's going to make atonement. He's going to make it right. Their sins are going to be forgiven. Look at verse 20. When Aaron had finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and the rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. Have you ever heard of the scapegoat? This is where that comes from. So all the sins go on the goat. They're taken from the people, put on this animal, and the goat is released in verse 22, and goes to a solitary place, and the man shall release it into the desert. How often do we do this? Verse 34. This is a lasting ordinance for you. 
It's to be a lasting ordinance. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. So that's how they dealt with their sin. Leviticus 19. Various laws. Okay, we've got laws in Leviticus also. For example, do not lie. Verse 11, do not steal, do not deceive one another. Verse 17, do not hate your brother in your heart. Verse 18, very often quoted in the New Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself, the second half of that verse. Verse 26, do not practice divination or sorcery. Here's an interesting one in verse 28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Verse 31, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Verse 37 of chapter 19, keep all my decrees and my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. So remember what I said earlier about that. He wants us to follow his will. He wants us to follow his laws, which are his will. So you have to tell people what the laws are. You have to uh, let them know what they are. You have to teach them. This is why Deuteronomy makes a, such a big deal about a man and a woman, the parents teaching the children the truths of the scriptures so that they will know. And then you encourage them in the community, in, in, in the life of the community together to keep those laws and to honor the Lord and to follow them. So that's a good listing of the laws in chapter 19, chapter 23 of Leviticus. Chapter 23, the Lord says to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. This is when I want them to meet. And so when you read the 23rd chapter on Friday and Saturday, you've got the Sabbath. You've heard of that. You've got the Passover and the unleavened bread. Well, we just celebrated that for Easter. Uh, I'm sorry, we celebrated that during the Holy Week in preparation for Easter where Jesus celebrated the Passover on that Thursday night, Maundy Thursday. Remember that? And unleavened bread. You have first fruits. You have what's called the Feast of Weeks, followed by the Feast of Trumpets, followed by the Day of Atonement, which we just went over in Leviticus 16, followed by the Feast of Tabernacles. So, Read those slowly. These are going to come up in the New Testament. Having a good idea of what these feasts are about is significant when you read the life of Jesus and you look at the New Testament readings, particularly the Gospels, because this is what God wants them to do in terms of worship, in terms of coming before the Lord, in terms of assembly, in terms of what he wants to teach them regarding the feast day. We do this ourselves as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Easter, we celebrate Pentecost, we celebrate different feasts throughout the year, the church calendar year, in a certain way, for a certain reason, for a very good theological reason, and we come together and we worship the Lord uh, in that manner. We see this in Leviticus, okay? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we talk about the coming of the Lord and when the Lord is going to come back. By the way, for those of you that are interested, this is a very contentious passage, verse 13 to 18. Uh, 
what does this mean? Is this the final coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord? Some of you may have heard of the word rapture before. Is this the rapture of the Lord? There's lots of rapio is the uh, Latin word that was used here. When the Lord will come down from heaven with the trumpet call of God and the the dead in, in Christ will rise first and those who are still alive will be caught up with him. The rapio will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So there's been quite a bit of controversy about the coming of the Lord. That's, again, a tremendously large subject. When is Jesus coming back? Uh, when, what will the date be? What will be the signs? Who is going to go to heaven? Who's not going to go to heaven, etc. And so Thessalonians deals with that issue in chapter 4. In chapter 5 is a wonderful chapter, and he's talking about the way he wants us to live again. He says in verse 5, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Verse 9, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, those who are saved. Those who are not saved will suffer wrath and the judgment of God. Therefore, verse 11, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. We are to encourage one another. We are to build one another up. We are to lift one another. We are to pray for one another. And I love 16 to 24. Be joyful always. These are very short. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Test everything, verse 21. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil, verse 22. Wouldn't it be great if all of us could do this on a regular basis? But again, we are to be encouraged. We are to be lifted up. We are to uh, pray for one another and, and, and ask God to minister to one another to help us to do the things that God wants us to do. This is, again, why it's so important to go to church and be part of a church body, to be collectively reading the daily lectionary together, to be reading the scriptures together, be praying about these wonderful texts. Finally, in verse 23, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Great promise for us all. Now, 2 Thessalonians is much shorter. It has three chapters. And he's talking about, in that first chapter, it's a pretty, pretty strong chapter, about those that know Christ and those that don't know Christ. The ones that do not know God, here's what's going to happen to them in case you were wondering. Verse 8, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and for the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those, all those who have believed. So there's a separation, Jesus says it in Matthew 25, between the sheep and the goats. There's a separation that, from those that know God and those that don't. In chapter 2, he talks about the man of lawlessness. Now, the reason he's talking about that is, again, as I said to you last week, people are concerned about the coming of the Lord and what's going to happen to precipitate his coming. And there are concerns about the coming of Christ, as he said in chapter 2, verse 1. And he's responding to the Antichrist. Do we know who the Antichrist is? No. Lots of different points of view about this. Again, a very, very large subject. And so the um, question for our, us is, are you prepared to meet Jesus? Do you know the Lord? Are you prepared to meet him even now? And so that's why 
the day of salvation is always today. It's never in the future because we don't know what the future holds. We know what now holds. And so knowing the Lord now and being assured of your salvation is very, very important. So he says in verse 13, I love 13 to 17, we always ought to thank God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and belief in the truth. Verse 16, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That's my prayer for all of us in this program, is that you and I would be encouraged and we would be strengthened in everything we say and do. May the Lord do that for all of us. Finally, in chapter 3, the end of 2 Thessalonians, he's warning against idleness, against people that will not work. So that's an interesting um, sharing that Paul is doing. Some people are not pulling their weight, and he is not happy about that. We were not idle when we were with you, he says in verse 7, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night. Um, it, and he says in verse 10, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he will not eat. He said, I hear some of you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. We urge you to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. Never tire of doing what is right. Always do the right thing, brothers and sisters. Always do the right thing. Do the thing that God wants you and me to do. You will not go wrong if you do that. Now may the Lord, verse 16, of peace himself give you all peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. So he has a closing salutation there in verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Again, short chapters. Colossians only four chapters. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 Thessalonians 3. Read them slowly. They're not like Exodus that has 40 chapters to it. Uh, read them slowly and enjoy them. Genesis has got 50 chapters, much shorter, but very compact. Lots to think about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We go back to the Sermon on the Mount. I hope you had the opportunity to read chapters, uh, chapter 5 uh, last week. We only had one chapter, chapter 5. And um, Jesus is saying some pretty strong things in chapter 5. In chapter 6, he continues the process by talking about helping the needy, praying the Lord's Prayer. There's the Lord's Prayer there in uh, verses 5 to, uh, to, uh, to 15. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, verse 10. Teaches them how to pray. Fasting. The treasures in heaven. I love this verse. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Of course, that's what a lot of people do. They're buying more, buying more, buying more. Guess what happens when you pass away? Can't take anything with you. He says, moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's where the value is. For the, where the moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's where you and I need to focus. Now, this is coming from Jesus himself. What I love about Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is very direct, teaching from Christ. This is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to know. In chapter 6, at the end of the chapter, he talks about not worrying. I think that that's apropos for all of us, particularly those of us that worry too much. He says, verse 27, Who of you by worrying can add a single 
hour to his life. What should I be doing, Jesus? Verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Which is my most important priority. Seek the kingdom. Now, this series of chapters, 5, 6, and 7, are not ones that you're used to reading. You're going to be blown away by how profound they are, how deep they are, how concise they are, and how pointed they are. They're very clear in terms of what God's asking us to do. Well, a problem that all of us, I'm sure, have is judging others, and he speaks to that in chapter 7 as we begin chapter 7. How can you say to your brother in verse 4, let me take the speck out of your own eye, your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. A plank versus a speck. Very poignant, very powerful. Ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. You're going to find something. Don't be lazy. I quoted this scripture earlier in the day, verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The road to hell is very large, and it's very easy to get into. It's very wide, and many people enter it, and it is a very dangerous place to go down. The, the way of life... Well, it's smaller, and it's narrower, and not as many people find it, unfortunately. And I hope and pray that all of you who are listening to this program are the people that follow the narrow path. And the narrow path, of course, is the path of the Lord, the path uh, that God outlines in the Scriptures. This is why this daily lectionary program is so important, so you'll know what God wants you and me to do and how he wants us to worship, and how he wants us to live, and how he wants us to talk, and how he wants us to act. Couldn't be any better way to know that than Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The tree and its fruit. We close with the tree and its fruit on Saturday. We recognize people by the fruit, recognized by the, the what they produce. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit, verse 18, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. By your fruit, you will recognize him. Just watch what people produce. Listen to what they say. Watch what they do. But even more importantly, watch what they produce. Verse 21 has always arrested me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does or he or she who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, we drove out demons and performed many other miracles. Verse 23, very poignant. Then I tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What's important to Jesus? Doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. How do you know what the will of God is? Do you know that naturally? You do not. I do not. Do you know that it's in your own head? You do not. I do not. This is why the reading of the scripture is so important. So you'll know what the will of God is and then we encourage you and pray for you and pray for me that we will then do the will of God now that we know the will of God. This is why our time together with you is so important every week and I look forward to it. Well, God bless you in your readings as you look at some profound readings from Leviticus, some very important readings from First and Thessalonians. Paul continues to teach us and more profound readings from 
Uh, the Sermon on the Mount in chapters six and seven is Jesus shares with us how he wants us to live. Paul shares us how he wants us to live. And Leviticus says how he wants the people of Israel to live. God bless you all in your study and reading and prayerful reflection on the scriptures in the week of five Easter. Next week, we'll look at the sixth Sunday of Easter. God bless you.